Hi everyone, welcome back to our little green pasture. Well, I'm glad to be here because it's another chance to let living waters flow from above through me as his vessel and his riverbed with the living waters. I pray and have prayed before this that they would rush forth into your cups that they would overflow. Amen. That's what Jesus is all about. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are complete in him who is the head over all principality and power. What an inheritance we have. What a reward that we have in Christ who is our, our exceeding great reward. Praise the Lord. So uh, before I get started, I'm going to pray. But before I do that, I really, really want to uh, encourage you guys to get a free copy of this awesome book written by Margaret Alberici. And I spoke about it in a video, a couple videos ago, because she's giving them away for free. And she sent me a copy of it. And this is it right here. And, you know, I've read so many books on prayer through my years. And so for me personally, as a student of the word, I tell you, she did exceptional work. Like I was pretty impressed because she wove it all together and it's tight. It's airtight. And let me just read a few words on the back about the book so you can hear. When Jesus was on earth, his disciples observed how much he prayed and wanted him to teach them how to pray. Jesus' power and authority to teach, heal the sick and cast out demons was directly connected to his prayer life. He continually interceded for his disciples before his heavenly father that their faith in God would not fail. Jesus Christ is our greatest example of a prayer warrior. As a great high priest, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. His desire for his followers is that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Throughout the scriptures, believers are admonished to pray continually for themselves and others. If prayed in the spirit and according to his word, they will have a powerful effect. Will you participate in this holy ministry and join with other believers in this most needed and effective work? God loves and delights in believing prayers. And the way she laid it out is kind of devotional style too, but it's, it's such exceptional work. So I am going to have uh, Margaret's email, her contact information. So reach out to her and request request your free copy don't don't miss out on this because i i mean i typically never do this kind of thing but i just love being just even a part of this so amen right all right so i'm going to pray and i'm going to get moving father in heaven i just praise the name that you gave unto your son jesus christ and by that name lord are we saved and by that name are we kept and are safe and we glorify and praise the name, your name, Jesus. Lord, I just lift up this message to you and ask that, Lord, that you would go in front of me. I will recede and you go ahead. I'll follow you. And Lord, I pray that even if one person, one person hears this message, then your will is done. Amen. Bless the work, your own word, Lord, and let it go forth. It says in your word that the word 
that you send forth your word and it runs swiftly and it will not return again void until it accomplishes the purposes of that you've sent it to in Jesus name. Amen. So I want to speak to you. Maybe it's just one person. Maybe this whole thing is just for one person, or maybe it's for someone that you know, and maybe we can all look at this message and say, that was me. You know, um, have you ever committed a sin or have you committed a sin or drifted away from the Lord in a way that you feel like you could never come back to him? That you have decided or worked it out somehow in your own thoughts and your heart that you're unforgivable, that there is no pardon for you and hopefully you'll be saved and you're okay back in the shadows and you're going to keep yourself there because, well, hopefully Jesus will let you into heaven. Listen, that word, that is not of God. That is not God speaking to you. The Holy Spirit will never discourage you. God's word, like Amy Carmichael, I love what she said. If God's word is hurting you, it's not God speaking to you. Because I'm going to share something with you in my devotions. I was in Second Chronicles chapter 33, and I was reading about King Manasseh. And if many of many of you are familiar with who King Manasseh was, uh, he was a probably one of the most wicked kings of all the Judean kings of the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin. And he was the first Judean king out of all the kings. At towards the end because he was like pretty much the last of the Mohicans of course his son succeeded him and so forth Josiah uh, Amon and Josiah um, but he was the first king that would not be contemporary that was not contemporary with the northern kings he was a wild man he was out of control and we're gonna read about him today so you are welcome to follow on open up your Bibles second Chronicles 33 so I'm going to get started and I'm just going to praise the Lord and let the living waters flow. Amen. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. And just let me, one more thing. I know when I read this, there was one, there was a few words that stuck out to me. And when I get there, you're going to know it. And that is what the Holy Spirit caught my eyes like a flash of light. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Remember, he was the son of Hezekiah. Like unto all the abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again, and I want to really emphasize, keep your ears open for that word built. Okay, for he built again the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down and he reared up altars for Baalim and made groves and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. Also, he built altars in the house of the Lord, whereof the Lord had said in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the Lord, house of the Lord. 
and he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with the familiar spirit. And with wizards, he wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So, I mean, he was into human sacrifice and sacrificing his own children and unto Baal, Moloch, one of their principal gods. I won't get into him, but, you know, we're looking at this guy who was, according to other accounts of him, there was no other king like Manasseh that shed more, there shed more blood than any other kings before him. And it says, and he set a carved image, the idol which he made, in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon, his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land, which I have appointed for your fathers so that they will take heed to all that I have commanded them, according to the whole law and the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen, whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Let me say something if you're not aware of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a righteous king. Um, you could read all about him. Um, just read about him, but just really quick. Um, the Lord, uh, Hezekiah sinned against the Lord, even through all of his righteousness. And at some point, God spoke to him through Isaiah and I, Isaiah said to him, God says, put your house in order for you will surely die. And he turned his face to the wall and he prayed and he wept. and. He prayed all night long, and at some point, God, Isaiah came in the morning, and he said, Isaiah, the Lord has sent me to tell you that God has heard thy prayer, and he has seen thy tears. Therefore, 15 years will be added to your days. And so, during those 15 years, he had Manasseh. So I take it a thousand percent that when he had Manasseh, because you always taught your sons, all kings, how to be a king. You passed on wisdom to them and knowledge and understanding, especially being a Judean king. And you know, he told him, look, I did all these things. I got rid of idols. I smashed down altars. I destroyed them. I had them ground down into powder and I took away the groves and the and such and such, right? You know, we told him that, but whatever was going on, because when he when Manasseh died, uh, when Hezekiah died, Manasseh was 12 years old. So he reigns and all of a sudden, you know, he reigns 50, how many years did I say he reigned? 55 years. So he had 55 years of a demonic, satanic reign. Let me keep going. So, okay, so verse 10. And the Lord spake to Manasseh after 55 years, and they would not hearken. Wherefore, 
The Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord as God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him and was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. And if you know anything about Assyrian captivity, I've read up about it. Not, I'm not an expert about it in any means, but it makes the worst prisons of this world on this earth and third world scary nations, nothing compared to what Assyrian captivity was like and what their prisons were like. It is horrifying. And so notice how God spoke to him. He let him go for 55 years, but he spoke to him, but he wouldn't hear and neither would the people hear. Immediately, God took action. He had him go because God is never, see, God is always in the business of salvation, of saving. And so let me continue. Verse 14, this is what stuck out to me. This is where my eyes were locked. Now, after this, he built a wall. See, Manasseh was a builder. But look at what he was building. Look at the kingdom he built. Look at what he built around him. Look at the effect he had on an entire nation. He built altars. He built, he made idols. I mean, he was a builder, but look what he built. But after his captivity, God allowed him to return to his throne, just like Nebuchadnezzar though he was a Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar did the same things. Maybe not like Manasseh, but he was evil. And he spent seven years, Nebuchadnezzar, with the heart of a beast. Read, your, read the story. It's in chapter four of Daniel. It says, now after this, he built a wall without the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley, even to the entering in at the fish gate, encompassed about Ophel and raised it up a very great height and put captains of war in all the fenced cities. And he took away the strange gods and the idol of the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem and cast, excuse me, and cast them out of the city. And he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed thereon peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people did sacrifice still in high places, yet unto the Lord their God only. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto God, unto his God, not just God, unto his God and the words of the seers, that spake to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel, his prayer also, and how God was entreated of him and all his sin, his trespass, and the places wherein he built high places and set up groves and graven images before he was humbled, before they are written among the sayings of the seers, 
So Manasseh slept with his fathers and they buried him in his own house and Amon, his son, reigned in his stead. So here's what I want to say to you. You know, there are sins that many people commit. I've committed sins where I was like so grieved, but I want to talk about sins that maybe that's you where you feel like you can't have forgiveness, that God, there's no way that God can forgive you, that you cannot draw near to him. But see, that is the opposite that God is showing in this very thing because Manasseh was the most wicked king that there was. Oh, yes, there were others that were wicked, but no one shed blood. <clears throat> he was a murderer. He, he, I mean, I just read about his whole life, what he did for 55 years since he was 12 years old. And he was a builder of evil. He was a builder of high places that his father, he built up what his father broke down. He built altars in the house of the Lord. He went again. He knew what he was doing. He shouldn't do. And that's sin. See, we don't sin with our eyes closed. Nobody does. I don't buy into it. You, We all sin with our eyes wide open. We know exactly what we're doing. We're not sinning while we're asleep. And it's no sin to be tempted. It's the action. It's the going forward. It's the striking hands with the hand of temptation. And you agree like an ox going away to the slaughter or a fool to the correction of, of the stocks. And like uh, Solomon said, and he knoweth not that it's for his life. You see, this man Manasseh, according to law, he broke every law that could be broken, even as a Judean king. But what happened? God warned him. And then God took action. But when he was in that prison, and it was worse than any of us can imagine, we don't know. It doesn't say how long he was there. But it does say when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord. And that word besought doesn't mean like, okay, I really blew it. I'm going to seek, seek the Lord. You know, there there is something that happens when God is educating us and he's because see, this was educational for him. God, see, God knew what he would do. Just like when Jesus said to his disciples, um, when they came to him and he, they said, master, send the people away that they may go into the town. They've been with us three days. They don't have food. Send them away into the villages nearby that they may buy food. And he said, um, he told them, have them sit down on the grass. It, but in that little concourse, it said for Jesus himself knew what he would do. See, God is ahead of your life. He already knows everything about you. He knows what you're going to do and he loves you. And he'll allow you to go into the affliction until you be, be until there you go where he besought the Lord. That means to get to that place within yourself where you go, I don't care. Look at me. I'm sitting in gross darkness. I mean, because obviously Manasseh did everything he knew God told him not to do. He did it anyways for 55 years. I mean, this is such a picture of abject rebellion. And I'm not saying you are anything like Manasseh, 
I'm showing you that God always shows you the extremes in his Bible. Notice everything in the Bible is about extremes. Sinai, lightning, mountains melting like wax before the presence of the Lord, the Red Sea opening up, people going through on dry land, the Jordan, the sun standing still where Joshua was fighting when he said, stand thou still, O sun over Gibeon, um, and thou moon over the valley of Ajalon, and and the donkey spake, and um, I mean, God always did that on purpose in his word, on purpose, not so we go, well, you know, he did that back then. No, yes and no. Yes, he did that back then, but that same God that parted the Red Sea, that same God sent his son to die for you so that you come out of those shadows and that you in your affliction where you think you have nothing, you do what he did. You do what his father Hezekiah did. Because basically they did the same thing. When he was in affliction, he besought the Lord. That means you're giving your all in all. Your guts are coming out. You're falling down before the Lord. Your face is on the ground. You're sobbing. You've lost everything. And it says, and next he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Look, God is not going to ever humble you. There's only one scripture that says God humbles humbles a person, and it was directly Paul talking about himself. But nowhere does it say God humbled me. God will humble you. No, it always says, humble thyself in the presence of the Lord. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Because, you know, I think about people who have been come out of the miry clay, out of the pit, out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and God has... You know, uh, he put a new song in their mouth. You know, he he uh, even of praising to their God that many sh- that the humble shall see and fear is the humble that hear. People that are humbled are broken people in the Lord, like worshipers. There's a lot of people that they're very intelligent. They just want the word. They operate continuously in intelligent knowledge, but they're not worshipers of the Lord. You know why worshipers abandon themselves to the Lord? That's why God told, uh, that's why Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, you worship that which you know not for salvation is of the, for worship, salvation is of the Jews. He was saying, we worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews. For the father, he's seeking, he seeks the true worshipers that, that shall worship him in spirit and in truth. It says, for the father seeketh such as these to worship him. Because true worshipers abandoned themselves before the Lord. Like David, when he danced with all his might before the ark, that was complete and total abandonment. Elizabeth Elliot talks about reckless abandonment where you go, I don't care what it takes. Lord, I abandon myself to you. And it's not like when the former days when you're young and you're like, Lord, I abandon myself to you. I believe there is good intent. We all had it. But you see, there's a death going on all of your life. And like this man went 55 years, he had total knowledge of God. He was raised by Hezekiah, a righteous king. You don't think that those 15 extra years Hezekiah had, you don't think he was doing everything he can to warn people like, look, sons, son, here's how you do it. Don't turn against the Lord. But he completely did the opposite. So the Old Testament God is the same God 
our Lord Jesus Christ was sent from his father and he willingly of his own will came to save you. Now, it says he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him. Now, three times in this chapter, it's mentioned and the prayer that he prayed. And is it not written the prayer that he prayed along with the words of the prophet in the book of the seer? He's the only king that it says that. He's the only king in the book of Kings and the Chronicles that it says about any king and the prayer that he prayed. Can you imagine what that prayer must have sounded like? It's like, I don't think it's anything that we can possibly imagine. You know, the human spirit is very powerful. And when that human being, that Manasseh, when he was in captivity to the worst of those, that the Assyrian king, that's when he prayed to him. It's like being in Satan. It's like when we fall away and we wind up in some dark place, we're in captivity to Satan. And we go into great affliction. And that affliction has a process. It causes us to beseech the Lord with all of our heart. And then all that beseeching, the next phase of that is, now we're humbling ourselves before the Lord because we know, look at this was a king. This was a king for 55 years reduced to a prisoner, a dirty prisoner in a dirty Assyrian Babylonian prison, eating filthy scraps, no bathing, rags on him. And is that not what Satan does? He dresses us with rags. He, he offers us power, fame, fortune, notoriety, applause, lifting up a name for yourself. But I'll tell you something. Satan gives away nothing for free. He always demands sacrifice. Next thing it is, it says, God was entreated of him and heard his supplication. And then something happened. The prison door opened. God moved in the king of Assyria because only the king can decide that to put that king back. But God, Jesus Christ, he was pre-incarnate back then. He didn't wasn't known, but he, that king of kings, put Manasseh back into his kingdom. And then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. And doesn't that speak? You know, I think that there are times many of us, without going into crazy sin, we're serving the Lord, we're in his house, we're serving him the way we think he likes. And we don't, I don't know, we're just doing our Christian way of life. And then something comes sideways out of nowhere and smashes us down. Or we get involved in some terrible sin and we go through that. And then when we're finally, be, we beseech the Lord, we humble ourselves, we're, you know, um, and we pray to him and he's entreated of us. He brings us again. He brings us back again into right standing, into uprightness with him. And then we know that the Lord, he is God and we fear him in a powerful, loving, 
way because you see that is when he came to know his God in the pit of darkness, dressed in filth and rags. I'm sure he was being mocked. Hail King. He probably got it worse than all the other prisoners. So when I saw that now after that, he built a wall. Isn't that what we do? We build a wall. We go, we're never, when we're brought back, we're like, oh, now I know he is God. And I can tell you right now, when God has brought me back from sin and where I suffered from my own sin, oh, I built a wall, all right. I built it. And it says he built this wall without the city of David, even into the entering of the fish gate. In other words, he built a wall all the way around because he's like, now listen, the builder, the one who built the altars, built the groves, built other altars for other idols. Now he's building a wall. It's, see, that's what that's the outcome when we're brought back again. It's like, uh-uh, that is my former life. I'll never be in Satan's hands ever again. No way. I will never sell myself again to do evil. I know what he does. I know the outcome. There is payment and he took it from me. But I humbled myself before the Lord. I know I didn't deserve it because, you know, we can add nothing to God. We can add nothing to Jesus Christ. You know, I look at all the things that we do and I think there's nothing we can do. The only thing that we can add to the cross is our sin. And we fall down before him and we say, and we say, we know that you are the Lord. Thou art God. It says next, he raised it up really high. He didn't just build a wall. I could just see him going, no, I know who my enemies are. I was in captivity with them. So this wall, I can just see him telling his builders, I want this wall built double high. Not that it says double high, it just says he raised it up a very great height because he was making sure they're not ever coming in here again. I was warned by God, but I didn't listen to him and I didn't warn you. But things are changing because see, now I know that he, the Lord, he is God. Therefore, I want you to build it all the way around so high that no enemy can climb over. And then on top of that, he put captains of war in all the fenced cities. Isn't that what we do? We go, let me say something. I'm going to start covering my children. I'm going to start covering my family, my friends, and all that pertains to us that has been given to us by the Lord. And now you're serious. You're not, you're like, you know, now your eyes are open. You're like, oh, there is a spiritual world. See, he had a human world. He went into human captivity, but I'm talking about the most wicked king, but I'm applying it to where we are today. You see, there is a spiritual world out there and it lives diametrically with us involved in this world. I'll tell you, Satan, he can tempt you with some things that you think may even be from God. Haven't you ever heard it? Oh, Satan can bless you. He can offer you everything. Look what he tried to offer Jesus. He knew who Jesus was, but he's all about worship, isn't he? He wants you to fall down and humble yourself to him. Mm -mm, no way. So that's what you do. You build a wall, a very, you raise it up to be a very great high wall. And then you put captains of war. And I look at the captains of war and all the fence cities where you look at everything that's yours and you say, I'm going to fortify that. 
I'm going to fortify that so that nothing will ever come through this again. Because to come through the fortified cities is to come near to him. So he's fortifying everything around him, the wall and within the wall cities. And the and so they're they're fortified. And so to get to him, you got to go through the wall and you got to go through the captains of the war. The next thing he did is he took away the strange gods and idols, idol his idol out of the house of the Lord. I mean, isn't that what we do? We go, oh, I remember I was into reading that kind of garbage. That's going in the garbage. I remember, and I mean, I did that even in my own life when I didn't understand things. I went through my house. I was pitching and throwing away all kinds of stuff. And I was serious about it because God had forgiven me. And I was serious about never letting those things and never partaking in Satan's things ever again. It says, and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, he cast those out of the city. He's like, they're not even going to be in the city. Because don't you get violent? See, he's doing a violent, radical thing. His people are probably like, what is he doing? Look at what our, okay, he's, okay, cool. The king is back. What is he doing? Are you serious? He, he took away this, our, our gods and idol out of the house. Who are we supposed to worship? What are we supposed to do? And then he took away the altars that he built. I mean, don't you want to just destroy the things that you built? Don't you want to clear yourself? Don't you want to even run to people and go, look, I remember I taught you something that I thought was of the Lord, but it's not. It was a lie. And I confess to you right now, I've already confessed to God that it was wrong and sin. And I want to tell you, I taught you something wrong. I mean, isn't there a vehemence, a clearing of yourself? And then it says, and he repaired the altar of the Lord. So now there's repair work. There is repair work. As we're going to the Lord, I'm not talking about work, so don't get me wrong, okay? But something you do work a good work of the Lord. I believe in doing good works for the Lord. We're told that we're created unto God through Jesus Christ to uh, do good works unto the Lord, for He ordained you and me to do it. And so this is good work of the Lord. So this is also an outward show to His kingdom that this King is serious, that He's not messing around. That he's not going to allow himself to ever go through that. And so then he goes on and he says he repaired the altar of the Lord. Then he sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings. And so isn't that what we do for the rest of our life? We're so grateful that we have peace with God. You know, there's three kinds of peace. Peace in God, peace with God, and peace from God. And so for the rest of our life, we thank him so much that we have peace with God. Because we know the difference of having, living without his peace. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and all his ways are peace. It says, and then he commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. But nevertheless, the people, they didn't listen to him. They still sacrificed on the high places. And then when he died, it says, so, you know, it doesn't say any more about his life. We know that he never went back to any of those things he ever did again. Nothing more is said about him except that he died. It says, now the rest of the acts of Manasseh, and notice his prayer unto his God. He's the only king that said of, that his prayer went into eternal memorial. And the words of the seers that spake to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel, behold, they're written in the book of the kings of Israel. And then it says his prayer also. Because see, the Holy Spirit is emphasizing to us his prayer, his prayer, his prayer. And how God was entreated to him, of him and his sin and his trespass. 
and the places wherein he built high places and set up groves and graven images before he was humbled. And they're written in the uh, among the seers. And when he died, he slept with his fathers and they buried him in his own house. But his own son, Amon, was 22 years old when he began to reign. He only reigned for two years. And he did that which was evil, the son of the Lord, as did Manasseh, his father. For he sacrificed unto all the carved images with which Manasseh, his father, had made and served them. And he humbled not himself before the Lord, as Manasseh, his father, humbled himself. But Amon trespassed more and more, and his servants conspired against him and slew him in his own house. So we have Manasseh. He slept with his fathers and was buried in his own house. And his son, he went into strict, straight up rebellion and was killed two years later in his own house. You know, you are, let me just say this now. Everywhere that we read in the Old Testament, yes, we're learning about things every day. But remember that the, Jesus Christ came out from God. God is full of mercy and pardon and he will bring you again and he will and you will make peace with him. Don't ever think, don't let your own thoughts. I know, but Joni, you don't understand what I did. I just, mm -mm. stop listening to your own self. And when you open the Bible, you know, the enemy, he's been controlling you too long. And so, of course, he's going to take the word of God and twist it and go, you know, that's meant for you. You know, the scriptures like, uh, oh, I'm going to see what the Lord says. And then you read a scripture that says, and he was hung and he was taken out and stoned to death. And the enemy's like, oh, you see that? See, God's still really upset about what you did. God's not mad at you. This is news for you today. Everything I say to you is scriptural. God loves you. It says in the word, Jesus says, come unto me. You know, I believe that if there's anything written over a door in heaven, it should, I believe the words would say, come unto me. You know, it says his hands are stretched out still. People were racing to get a piece of Jesus. Even Zacchaeus climbed a tree to get a look at him. There's people that thronged Jesus just so they may touch him. There was a man that screamed, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he was told to shut up. But he was louder with his call, vehement. There is forgiveness for you, joyful forgiveness, where you will be at peace. Manasseh lived the rest of his life in peace. That all that wickedness, think about what he was forgiven for. And he died in his father's house. He slept with his fathers and was buried in his own house. Amen. In returning and rest, you will find salvation and quietness and confidence shall be thy strength. Today is the day. Return to the Lord. Come into his light and all the darkness that you've been dwelling in will surely 
flee away. Amen. You can rely on it.